Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of 2020 Psych. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Kay, and I'm joined today by none other than my father, Dr. Hernandez. I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. Hello, my name is Dr. Hernandez. I'm a psychiatrist. And we just want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you tuned in last week, we discussed MDMA and the effects it has on college-aged individuals. This week, we're going to be furthering the discussion, but we're going to be talking about cocaine as well as Adderall and the effects of those substances. But before we get into this, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at 2020psychpodcast for more updates on when our content is coming out as well as new episodes. So, Dad, what do you know about cocaine and Adderall? I guess we can dive, you can decide which one you want to dive into first, uh, but what do you know about them as it concerns people my age or around my age? Well, Adderall is known as a study drug, if you will, because it helps uh, students stay up longer at night, focusing, and they f- it gives them the sense that they have a lot of energy to continue uh, with their studies. And again, it's a super focused type of a drug. Uh, cocaine, on the other hand, is not used for the same purpose. It's more for recreational purposes other than more so than for anything else. And it's a more dangerous of, of the two because it, it gets absorbed quicker. It's more intoxicating. It can have more detrimental effects on your body, such as increasing your heart rate and your blood pressure. So I guess we should first start off with Adderall as it pertains to college students. Um, Obviously, you know, I just finished college, so I'm not in that world anymore of intense studying and writing papers and exams and stuff. But I will say that there were people in and around my circle in college that were either prescribed Adderall or took it without a prescription uh, because of the effects it had for for studying. Um, and I, I guess I just want to know what are the long-term effects of Adderall usage, especially if you're not prescribed? Well, approximately 10% of college kids take Adderall. Not all of them are prescribed Adderall, but those that are prescribed Adderall have been found to uh, often sell their pills, especially during finals week. And some of the long-term consequences of using Adderall, if it is not prescribed for you, can in- in- include some cognitive impairment, fatigue, depression, sort of a hangover effect. Those are some of the the after effects of Adderall when it is not prescribed for you. And and again, it's mainly prescribed for patients with attention deficit disorder with hyperactivity. So for them, it does not have the same long-term consequences that uh, it does on uh, those that do not have attention deficit disorder. In addition, it can also have some weight or weight suppressant or appetite suppressant properties. So and of course, that can lead to uh, other consequences uh, because of uh, poor eating habits. So for people that aren't prescribed, let's say um, they're, they take Adderall during 
points of time of midterm season, final seasons. That That's usually what's common. At least that was the culture at USC. Not for everyone, but for some students. Um, is there a possibility of dependency of the substance or addiction of the substance if you're not prescribed and don't need it? Well, definitely stimulants are can be very addicting. So to answer your question, definitely, yes, uh, it can cause addiction and it, and it can lead to, as you know, uh, other even mental health consequences, including uh, being psychotic. How often does the psychosis happen? Is that something that is common if you use it a lot or? It can be if you use it excessively. It frequently causes people that abuse it to feel paranoid. That's what that's what we typically see in, in, in actually in a hospital setting. What would you say for students that maybe feel like they can't take an exam or they can't um, write a paper without taking Adderall? Because um, I know there are some instances like that where some students feel like, well, I'm not going to do well. I'm not going to perform well if I'm not, especially uh, even in high school when taking like SAT and ACT standardized test, there was always that, oh, I heard through the grapevine, so-and-so took Adderall before their exam and they scored a 2200 or something crazy. I don't know what the scores are now, but can you comment on that? Well, Adderall will help you focus, though for some it can cause them to get really nervous as well and make them jittery and in some cases not even allow them to focus because they're feeling so jittery. So it depends on the amount that you use and how frequently you're using it and that will determine if it'll help you uh, perform better. But Typically, it won't make you smarter at the time of the exam. What it should do, if if uh, it'll give you the stamina to prepare for it, staying up longer hours than your counterparts who are not using it. So, in some words, some have said that it's kind of like athletes using steroids to uh, enhance their performance. Students take Adderall to uh, enhance their academic performance. Can you dive into a little bit, I don't know, um, like you mentioned, it depends what type of Adderall or how much they're taking. Can you explain maybe the different types that there are? Because I know there's like extended release and things like that, but I'm not too familiar. Well, Adderall is a combination of amphetamine and dextroamphetamine. So they're both stimulants and Adderall can be or is formulated in an extended release because it stays longer in your body if with an extended release because without the extended release, it will only last maybe around four hours. And for kids that take it in grade school, it's difficult for them to get a dose at noon. So that's why it was formulated to be a little longer lasting so it can be given to them in the morning and they could go the entire day without having a repeat dose in school because that would all sometimes lead to difficulties logistically for the school nurse to have to give it to to the child. So for people that are prescribed and it is something that their doctor, you know, 
um, says that they need to take. Is that something that they need to take their whole life or how does that work? Well, attention deficit disorder usually starts in childhood and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have it through your entire life. Some patients aren't diagnosed with attention deficit disorder until they're adults, so they should, they will be taking it for the rest, the remainder of their lives. But sometimes children grow out of it, if you uh, so to speak, uh, when they become teenagers or young adults. So overall, just so we have this on record, you don't recommend students to be taking Adderall in college for their college exams if they're not supposed to be taking it? Well, no, you shouldn't be trying to sort of uh, take a medication because that's what it is uh, for something that it's not truly indicated. It's not really meant to keep you up at night uh, uh, focusing. That's not what the intention of the medication is. So... Uh, it will have negative consequences on your health uh, when you become overstimulated and it can cause, uh, as we pointed out, some long-term effects and some short-term effects as well that would include uh, depression and fatigue. So it's definitely not something healthy. Uh, there's other more, uh, uh, there's other study, study methods that you can use that don't involve using uh, stimulants. Oh, I guess it would also be interesting to talk about how uh, oftentimes like you'll pop an Adderall and then also students are like also consuming a ton of caffeine as well to stay up. So what is the combination of Adderall and caffeine do to the body? Well, it can cause a lot of uh, stimulation of, say, your heart, your blood pressure. And again, it's not natural for you to be taking those kind of substances so that it's going to have negative consequences on your health overall, both physically and emotionally. So switching over to maybe the more party drug of the two, cocaine, um, that's also something popular in college, as well as I feel like the adult world in general, it's more of a grown-up drug. What is cocaine? Let's start with, yeah, let's start with what is cocaine and what does it do to the body? Well, cocaine is also a stimulant and it's not very popular as it used to be in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Uh, its uh, use has gone down. I, I believe 4 to 5% of the population uses cocaine as compared to, say, 10% of uh, college kids that are on Adderall or that are abusing Adderall. Uh, 40% uh, of college kids are using uh, cannabis, and 80% of college kids are drinkers. So, Cocaine is one of the on the on the lower spectrum of uh, of abuse amongst amongst college kids. Do you think that's true, or do you think that because I I would one I would let I would wonder where like those stats come from because I feel like cocaine is a bit more taboo in college culture. Like people do it, but it's not talked about. It's one of those like closed doors tight-knit group not no one's really invited well the statistics are coming from monitoring the future which is a survey done sponsored by the national institute of drug abuse that is comes out of the university of michigan so that's where the those uh, statistics are coming from 
And cocaine, as you know, is uh, very expensive, uh, and that's why I think some of its use has been limited uh, over the years. So in regards to cocaine, um, obviously, I think in when we're talking about college settings, um, it's not just cocaine that people or students are consuming. Oftentimes, it's a mixture of cocaine, alcohol, maybe some weed. What, in combination with all of those things, what happens to the body and how is that even more so dangerous than cocaine by itself? Well, it's not uncommon for, in college, for kids to mix alcohol with stimulants. So it really is something that, you, on the one hand, you have someone, some a substance that like alcohol that's sort of depressing you, and then you're taking a stimulant like cocaine or caffeine or an amphetamine that stimulates you. So it really is making your body work sort of in overdrive, if you will. And the consequences, are, of course, are going to be unhealthy. They're going to be negative, And it's going to affect you both emotionally and physically. I, I want to talk about like the actual, like the physical doing of coke. Like how bad is it that you're snorting a powder like into your brain, essentially? Like that obviously isn't good. Well, as we've talked about before with other substances, namely uh MDMA or ecstasy, you're not really sure what you're getting. Seldom is cocaine and 100% pure. Usually it's adulterated, if you will, with something else. So you're not really sure what you're purchasing when when you buy cocaine because it can be mixed in with any other substance. So that is probably going to be toxic as well in some form or another for you. So it's, it's again, it's a, it's a street drug that is not regulated clearly. And so it's a sort of a buyer beware because you don't really know exactly what you're putting up your nose. In regards to that, have you ever, are there any horror stories you can maybe briefly talk about with patients that have come into the unit over the years with cocaine usage or? Well, cocaine, it's often... Co- Combined with other substances, as you pointed out, alcohol, also amphetamines, cannabis. So it's usually the combination that just make people psychotic or very depressed. Some of the more depressed patients that we've seen are coming off a cocaine binge, where they come in profoundly depressed, weeping, despondent. But fortunately, that clears up within a couple of days. They have a, a usually a typically a nice recovery from that. But it can cause a severe depression. So how addictive is cocaine? Can anyone easily get addicted to it? Or is there a, a, a um, predisposed person that suffer? you know, like, can it be anyone? Well, when they've done studies, say in rats, and the usage of cocaine, they'll continue to use cocaine literally up until it kills them. And I think that humans, in many ways, are, are very similar to that. What happens physically to the body over time, specifically the nose and the gums, if you use cocaine long term? Well, it's very irritating, and it can it's going to damage the mucosa that lines uh, the, the, the nasal passageways and so it's it's very irritating, and that's that's where the damage comes from. 
and at some point even the the septum which divides the nostrils can become perforated with extensive use. So now I want to ask you based off your research and what you've seen in the field what are the current trends in drug usage amongst 20 something year olds and where do you where do researchers see uh, the use of drugs? Well referring again to the monitoring the future survey there's some interesting findings. There has been an increase in vaping of marijuana as well as vaping of nicotine. So those are the two really, um, st- those, those are the statistics that really jump out because the, the rate of use of these two forms of uh, y- using cannabis and nicotine are, are really increasing dramatically. And part of that is because the perception is that they're not that, quote, bad for you, end of quote, than using it with traditional methods. But the, the what's true is that those forms of uh, vaping causes high increases of cannabis into your brain and nicotine, is, which is also highly addicting. So they're actually vaping is very dangerous for you. So... Among the other trends, not everything is bad. Some of the good things are that there's a decrease in uh, binge drinking in college. For the first time in many since the 80s, less than 30% of college students are binge drinking, which is defined as less than or five drinks in a row. So it's down to 28%. Also, the use of opioid uh, drugs or prescription drugs has decreased, as well as the use of Adderall, which we were talking about earlier, has decreased. Uh, cigarette smoking remains about the same. Uh, so, and and actually, the figures are showing some decline in cigarette smoking. So, overall, the trends are are sort of mixed, but there is some decrease in the alcohol, the painkillers, and the use of uh, Adderall. For painkillers, what setting are college-age students um, using that in? Is there any research that shows on that? Well, again, the the latest is that it's it's there's a decrease in uh, in the use of uh, prescription drugs. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, As you know, uh, opioids are often mixed with different substances, including uh, cocaine which uh, can be uh, also very toxic and very dangerous. You mentioned vaping earlier. What are the potential dangers of vaping cannabis and nicotine on the body? Do researchers even know that yet? Well, what researchers do know is that high levels of THC, which occur through vaping, can cause psychotic symptoms, can cause uh, depression, and some... Some of the literature that comes from the forensic setting shows that almost 50% of those that become psychotic with the use of cannabis go on to develop either bipolar disorder or schizophrenia. So if you become psychotic when you're using cannabis, that's a pretty bad sign. So it's very toxic, absolutely. When you say psychotic, I'm I'm not sure people uh, fully understand what a psychotic episode looks like. Can you maybe describe 
uh, an example of a psychotic episode in marijuana? Well, patients that become psychotic under the influence of marijuana and, and other substances include feeling paranoid, feeling convinced uh, beyond a, any any shadow of uh, doubt that you're being pursued, you're being followed, that you're somebody's chasing you, someone's out to get you. That's a, a false fixed belief. Other types of psychotic symptoms include hearing voices or auditory hallucinations or even maybe seeing things that aren't real. So those, when we refer to a psychotic episode, it's usually one of those three symptoms. Okay, yeah, that's really interesting because I've had some friends in the past that have had to stop smoking weed because they've said that uh, they get too paranoid when they're on it. And these are people that have been smoking weed for long periods of time and then all of a sudden in their life they're just like I can't do it anymore it's too much well as I pointed out from the forensic literature the statistics are showing that 47% of those that become psychotic under the influence of cannabis will go on to develop uh, bipolar disorder schizophrenia and, and those disorders are life seriously lifelong illnesses that you want to avoid you don't you don't definitely don't want to self-induce that so overall from you know the takeaway of this and when we're talking about Adderall cocaine opioids vaping the general consensus consensus is obviously to avoid these things and not to do them but can you give any words to those who maybe do dabble in these substances that are maybe lucky enough right now to not be addicted, uh, what would you say to those people? Well, you can get some help. The college centers have sobering programs. They can offer substance abuse counseling. They can offer you 12-step programs. They can offer you means of uh, staying in recovery. So there's help in the college setting. And for non-college students, there's 12-step programs that are readily available. There's always uh, substance abuse hotlines that can be reached. There's drug rehabilitation programs, both in an inpatient and outpatient setting. AA is all over the world, literally. Uh, So Narcotics Anonymous is popular, Cannabis Anonymous. And for those loved ones of those that are suffering from addictions, Families Anonymous is a tremendous uh, supporting group as well. That's going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of 2020 Psych. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, Continue to tune in every week. We're covering different topics. And follow us on Instagram at 2020 Psych Podcast. On there, you can reach out to us and let us know your thoughts on our episodes, what maybe you want to hear more of, something that maybe we didn't dive deep enough into. You can go ahead and reach out to us on there. But Regardless, thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a great day wherever you are.